do it. The new 120 kilo plus IPF world champion, Jesus Oliveris. My man, how does it feel to hear yourself being introduced as a world champion? Um, it feels pretty good. This is a, for me, this was the goal from the very beginning. Um, um, I think we talked about it a little bit the first time we hopped on back in December, but this has just been the fruit of my labor, you know, like since I started, my goal has always been to compete at the highest level under the harshest circumstances, under the hardest critics. And um, I feel like a lot of people would agree that that's exactly what IPF, the world championships are, you know, um, everything that you earn on that platform, you know, like it's not a gift. You don't, you don't just get to go there, um, try to pull a fast one and you go, like, you gotta, you gotta stay locked in. Mm. Uh, you gotta work for it. You know, you gotta bust your butt and it's just, you know, it's been a pretty unreal feeling, you know, to just be like, just have that title of world champion. Um, especially for someone like myself like it's like I come from humble beginnings you know it's like my family moved here to the states from Mexico like 40 years ago like I'm a first generation Hispanic uh, Mexican American and to just be able to fly overseas my first time ever and bring home a world championship it's just meant so much to my family um, like I haven't spoken to my grandfather in quite a bit of time, you know, but it's like my mom, uh, he, they're neighbors and she's telling me that all he's talking about is, oh, my grandson, my grandson's a world champion. <laughs> so it's, I mean, for me, that's what has been the most uh, satisfactory part is just the pride and the positivity that my family has taken from it. You know, like that's, I'm a big family guy and it's just, to know that my family is proud, you know, like, and then this is a little funny, but my brother also, he's telling me that he saw my grandfather too. And he was like, dude, you know, that grandpa almost went back to Mexico before we were born. And then he's like, and he was just talking about like how he's just glad that how he stayed. And it's just, I mean, like this, we can go on and on forever about that. But for me, it's just been, it's been really wonderful to see just, the little things you know it's to me it's the little things are more important than the big things so it's been it's been pretty awesome you sound just like russ we just had russ on earlier today and i asked him about like the significance of being a world champion and he's like hearing your parents his parents are from uh, nigeria you know same deal first generation um american and he was like um you know hearing my parents tell people back in nigeria that like you know their son is a world champion you know, he said in Nigeria, they want to throw a fucking parade for him. You know, just like Izzy, when Izzy um, won the UFC championship in, in Nigeria, they're throwing a parade because they're the sense of pride. You know, when you come from a nation in the U.S., like there's a lot of uh, world champions and like athletes of high level, obviously, right? But some nations don't have that. And you, so when you go worldwide, the significance of a world champion isn't lost in a lot of people. And some people who have immigrated to the U.S. from other nations, they when they hear, like, the sense of pride they must have to be like, my fucking, the world, 7 billion people, 
and, and, and powerlifting is a global sport, my man. There's 130 nations in the IPF. This is not one of those sports with just a few nations. 130 nations, 70 billion people. And your dad's son, your grandpa's grandson is a world champion. It's tough not to, you know, like they, yeah, they're going to be stick their chest out with pride and be like telling people back home and stuff, be like, that's my boy, man. You know, that's crazy. It's a lot to wrap your head around. No, for sure, man, for sure. And um, so on your heading to the IPF World Championships, like leading into, I know you said about like when you, you want to be judged on the highest standard and people are watching the IPF World Championships. Russell's also saying this actually, how he's like, man, it's the same old. People talk about, oh, the squat depth. It's too strict. It's too tough. And some people, if you're from certain nations, you start saying like, they're picking on us. They're picking on us. Like if it, before we got to the open, right. And Russ is like the same thing every year, man. This is, this is the, this is the standard. And what was good for you, if anyone was questioning, you know, your squat depth or your dead lockouts or anything. And some people have, I remember we did the preview show Mm -hmm. and I remember my boy, Rory, who wasn't saying it's like pick on you, but he was like, this is one thing I'm going to be worried about because it's different. And people who watch will say it's different, right? Like, like, um, and it's like, well, proof will be in the pudding. And for you at your age with, you know, the, it, your coach isn't there. You have Isaac Whistler, who's also your friend. So it helps, but there's a lot of things, right? You're a junior stepping into the open. It was literally like three IPF world champions in your flight. You know, like you were, you were going against like a, a hall of fame roster. And you nailed all of your squats, breaking world records in the whole nine. Now you can say, look, the, the proof is in the pudding, you know, like to the highest of standards. And then afterwards, to Rory's point, he came on the podcast like, let me eat my crow. I was, you know, uh, I doubted I was straight up wrong, you know, like it is. But it's um, that's the, it, the proof has to be put on the platform, you know, so that's where like if the IPF world wipes all of it clean, if everyone says the standard is so tough, maybe too tough, how good does it feel to fucking rack up three for three in squats, break world records and be like, nobody could talk about nothing now. Yeah. I mean, for squats, I will say that um, that's probably my, I guess from a, how do I say this? From a rule standpoint, I feel like squats are my most sound. Like I, I don't really second guess my depth at all. And if I ever do get a call, I have like an even lower depth I can hit if need be. Um, like growing up, man, um, in Texas here, like the way that they taught us to hit depth is they would put a metal 25 pound dumbbell underneath our ass. And we literally had to touch every single rep or else the set wouldn't count. So from a young age, man, like I just grew up squatting at like ATG, you know, ATG. So for me, man, like that's never been a question. When I first started, I wasn't sure. Um, So I would kind of dive bomb. But then as I just grew more confident and I just became more savvy, um, started watching other people, competitions, uh, my own competitors, like I got to realize, okay, like that step, I'm kind of below parallel um and like for me i just know like when i put my belt on as tight as i can 
and I bought them out. Like that's literally like I can't go any lower with my belt like that. Like that's the, so it's like I got my nick my my little tricks, you know, where I know where my body bottoms out where it needs to be. Mm. Um, but besides that, man, like I the standard I hold myself to in training. If it doesn't, if I don't think it passes in competition, I will not count it. I don't care if I salvage the lift, you know. Like I think uh, my heaviest press and training before world was 562. I had downward motion. I, I, I didn't count that. Like to me, that doesn't mean shit. Like it's like training, not training to competition standard. Um, like that's like having a log in your eye, dude. Like you got to be able to take it out and just be honest with yourself. Like there, what, what do you gain from this subjective perspective of just, oh yeah, you know, like I PR'd. And it's like, no, if you, if you don't hold the deadlift, if your shoulders aren't locked out, if your knees aren't locked out, if you're not pausing it for over a second, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like having any doubt in my mind. And if I have even the slightest doubt, like, I'm just going to scratch it. I'm going to be like, hey, Joey, like, I don't think this would count. Um, I'm, I'll go ahead and admit I overshot. I went out of the pocket. Like, you know, I'll do better next time, mm. you know? So I'm just, I'm very harsh on myself. And there's been time, like I I took my nationals victory very harshly because I can pull, I have the strength to pull over 900 pounds, but because of decisions I've made from my December meet into nationals and gaining weight and just kind of getting sloppy, I literally lost a hundred plus pounds on my deadlift just because I literally can't hold it and I can't lock it out. So it's like, for me, that was a really big uh, pill to swallow because I had to take a lot of steps back. I had to literally go back down to like the mid 700s um, where I, I have it charted down. Like before before my weight kind of got a little out of hand, I pulled over 800 pounds in training, I think like 13 weeks in a row almost. Like it was Holy just like money. Like I was getting ready to pull over 900 pounds in competition. And I just let it slip out of my hands. Like that's something I, I, I still hold it very deeply to my chest because yeah, you know, my goal going into worlds was just to have a better performance than nationals. That was my number one. And I knew that if I could do that, everything else would follow suit. Um, so obviously 760 isn't as good as 804. So I improved, but still not my best. So now, man, like as soon as we got back, um, I took some time off um, and it's back to the grindstone, man. Like, it's like, this is, I gotta, I gotta have that 900 pound deadlift, man, on a stiff bar. Um, screw the deadlift bar debacle, you know, like I, I'm, I, that's my, that's what I want to do. If I pull 903 on, a de- on the stiff bar, man, like that's, that's legendary. That's, that's stuff that people dream about. People, things that people wish they can sniff. Yeah. So, but that that just goes to credit how hard I, I hold myself to, you know, I look at my brother, the people that have around my corner, Joey, like Joey isn't like, he'll call me out the minute he thinks I'm fooling around the minute he thinks I'm not training. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just, the standard I hold myself to and the standard that the people that have around myself hold me to, like, it's just, it's like, I, I could give, I could care less what people have to say. Cause what I have to say about myself is 10 times harsher than anybody. Like, you know, so to me, I think any sort of critique is just open game. Like it's the part of the game, you know, it's like when you're commentating on 
uh, a running back in the NFL, like if they have a habit of fumbling, you know, like you're not really talking mess about the, it's just something you point That's out. That's it. Yes, yeah, I, I agree. So, I yeah, agree and that. I'll be the first one to agree uh, to say, you know, like my deadlifts haven't been as good as they were. Like that's nothing new, especially to me, you know. So it's like that's something I'm still working on because I know once I get to that point, man, like it's like it's game over. Like it's just it's done. Have you um so you gained body weight and um and I mean you're a 120 plus you know when it, I'm sure it's gonna help like in other ways squat bench whatever but so it's the plan then because I and, and I fault not I I think fuck you got you only know by trying you got you got like who knows if a little bit of extra kilo in the body weight transpires into you know more kilo in the total you don't you only know by trying it end of the day you won us raw nats you won the worlds and you won worlds against a star-studded you know pack of of former ipf world champions so it, it is what it is but is the plan now so you're thinking all right to get back to that dead and beyond to where the previous goals were are you going to drop a little bit of body weight again what's the plan there are you going to go on like a like a diet or or is it like a how, how do you get there I guess for me, like right now, honestly, Ryan, um, I've really just been enjoying like the accessories part of my my routine. Like I'm not really gonna focus on my singles. Um, I'm just really focused on being fundamentally sound with my technique, my depth, my control. Um, and then to add on top of that, as well as like my accessories, you know, it's, just, it's we're off season now, baby. We got nine months yeah. till next Worlds. So I'm going to make sure that I bring the best package I possibly can. Cause I, some of the comparisons that I like to make between like powerlifting and bodybuilding is that, you know, it's about bringing the best package. Like you can be um, a really good squatter, a really good presser, but you know, sometimes where most supers lack is a deadlift. And I feel like what makes me so dangerous is the fact that my deadlift is so it's it's just it's like this mystery you know i can't even tell you why my deadlift is where it was you know so in my mind it's like okay like as soon as say this was the olympia you know and the comparisons that i'm looking at is okay what other like muscular like what other muscle areas can i hit to potentially give me the edge to take me back so it's like, okay, like maybe let's add some forearms, let's add some more barbell rows, let's add some strict barbell rows, you know, just what can I incorporate into my training to help bring a better package? Because that, that's, that's how I look at myself. It's like, okay, what mm -hmm. can I do to bring a better package? Like, okay, like um, I hit a sticking point in my squat. Like, what can I do to kind of help fix that? Um, so like, I mean, that's really what I'm doing right now, man. I'm just enjoying the training aspect. You know, I'm having fun. Um, and now it's just got all eyes on me. Got to go win this second one. But at the same time, it's not just about winning the second one. It's about improving the effort. I tell mm -hmm. people that it's always easier to win your first championship. And the second one's the hardest, you know, because now people have like this measuring stick and they have an idea that's going to help them visualize how hard they need to train to potentially, you know, fill in that gap. So it's like, okay, now people know who I am. Now I got some people across the seas uh, painting a target on my back. Okay. Like, all right, come on, let's get it, baby. So for me, it's just, I know I have like this image in my head 
of what I can hit on a perfect day. And I'm literally working towards just bringing that into fruition, man. Like that's, that's my goal. It's just, I got a number, I got an idea. And mm. I know that if I can do this, man, it's just going to be, it's going to be like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it'll be lovely. So, so, so to get, so right now you're enjoying the off season, which like, yeah, yeah you got time, which is good. You got to pace yourself and not burn out. That's for sure. And stay healthy in terms of injuries. Um, so when you gain the weight initially, do you think you like, was it a, was it a, a, something you had to do to increase your calories to get there and you'll just intuitively eat and your body weight will come back down and you think your debt will come back or in terms of the game plan, cause you game plan to gain. Um, and it sounds like you might be game planning to lose, to get the, the deadlift back. Well, or do you think you that, keep well, the body weight high and, and well, it just, that's the thing, man. I, I gained the weight by accident. It's cause, uh, I started driving a lot between San Antonio and Houston which is about three hours because um, my girlfriend was a part of a, this organization, HCPL, and they do a bunch of mental health stuff. And they were just like doing fundraisers for a bunch of the Asian hate stuff. And so there was like a six week span where I was going to Houston like every other weekend. Um, another weekend I drove to Baton Rouge, which is seven hours. So I was just there was just time where like my nutrition was just out of whack, man. And during mm. like those six weeks, I went up 20 pounds Yeah. and I just couldn't, <laughs> I just, I, I, it didn't really set in yet because in my mind, I'm like, I, it'll be their meat day. Typical, like, Oh, it'll be their meat day. Um, so I really wasn't too worried about it until nationals came out and you know went one for three in the deadlifts and i was like it was like a slap in the face and i was like man if ray was here he probably would have smacked me around or if somebody else would have showed out they might have beat me and that that question mark really just left his like sour taste in my mouth and i was like okay jesus like you got to get this back in track but obviously um nationals was in june and then worlds is three months later so and I guess I'm just going to keep the same routine that I had to kind of fix my dead a little bit. You know, I'm just going to take it little by little. You know, if I can just pull a little bit more than 804 next meet, I'm going to take that as a win. Um, but I've just been eating a lot cleaner, um, obviously being a lot more stricter with my deadlift technique, making sure that my, uh, my holds are undeniable, uh, my lockouts are crisp. So I'm just, I feel like I kind of got the recipe down a little bit and I'm just going to be a little bit more aggressive. So I'm not really planning on dieting like harshly, you know, I'm not going to be in like a, a big deficit because that's just going to hit my strength overall. Mm. And, you know, I feel like what we did going into worlds, just got to keep the science, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we just got to keep working on it, man. Um, so your, your girlfriend works with people dealing with mental health struggles. Do, are you at all involved on, because now that you're a world champion, yeah. are you involved in doing like any talks or speeches and doing like, or visiting people and talking or not yet, but this is something not that yet, man. it's something. Cause I like talking to Russ, he was saying how, and you've experienced now already. Yeah. And it's only been a couple of weeks, how the title of a world champion is it, it, transcends you know you don't need to explain people don't need to know much about powerlifting 
They just know you're an athlete and you're a world champion. Say less. You could literally show up to all ty different types of events and talk about goal setting, overcoming obstacles, overcoming fear, fear of failure, uh, the whole nine, right? The, the determination, discipline, and what that brings you in terms of goal setting and whatnot. That's what the title world champion is. You don't really need to explain. They know you got it. You don't even need to go into your sport. You can go out of your sport and just talk to the general public once that happens. Now, you being a heavyweight, they automatically assume, man, this guy's strong. Like, like you know, you like it's easier than if you're like a smaller, you know, the 66-kilo world champion. God bless, love Penna. But they people have these um, preconceived notions, right? Mm -hmm. So these things might happen. I don't know if you thought about it or if it's something that you've kicked around, but. I mean, if I ever had the opportunity to, you know, go to a school, I would gladly take it, you know, because the road that I've been on to make it this far, um, only a few people know the truth, you know, like my family, uh, my girlfriend, um, some close friends. And, uh, you know, it, it hasn't really been easy for me because, you know, there was a year in my life where I had like 11 different jobs in one year, you know, mm. just because I was, I, I just wasn't clicking in the environment. Um, the reality of being a young adult, a young man hasn't set in. And I had to learn a lot of the valuable lessons that I know today, the hard way, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm a hard learner. You know, sometimes I just need to burn myself to understand all right, don't touch the fire. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I have a lot to say on that matter. Um, mental health is really important. Um, I've had my own battles uh, in my beginning. And obviously, currently, you know, something comes up, family issues. So, I mean, if I ever have the opportunity to go and potentially influence the next generation, um, tell them my story, inspire hope. Like, I would love to do that, man. And I, I feel like I do that every now and then. When I run into somebody and I feel like they need a little inspiration or they just need to know, hey, man, don't give up. You keep fighting. You keep pushing. It's okay to fall on one knee. It's okay to fall on both knees. But just keep your head up, man. Like, it's like, like those are... Those are lessons that I hold very close to my chest because, you know, it's just how I grew up. It's how my family raised, my brothers and my sisters raising my mom. And it's just, you know, I owe a lot to them. Uh, I owe everything to God because obviously he's the one who's allowed me to come this far, you know, because I'm, I'm no fool. I understand the situation that I'm in, the potential that I have, and just these opportunities, they don't come to everybody. Um, like the strengths that I have. Yeah, I work hard for it. Like that's no question. I bust my ass every single time I'm in the gym. I think about what I do constantly, but the strength that I have, man, like it's, it's God given. Like, it's like, there's people who risk their health taking stuff to simply be at this point. And like, I just seem to have come to this point, you know, from my beginning, uh, started off as a collegiate uh, high school athlete, played sports in college, um, tried the whole gym bro route, and then just to end up here two and a half to three years into my powerlifting career. It's crazy. It's, 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 I mean, there's no words for it, man. It's, it's nothing short of miraculous. Um, 
So, I mean, I got a lot to say on it. And if anybody would love to hear my story, man, I'd be gladly, I would gladly open up. Um, I'm a firm believer in like, you know, if somebody can learn from my mistakes, then I'll tell you everything, man. I'm an open book. Um, if people can, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's what being a good human is, you know, being a good man, a good brother, um, a good son, a good partner, you know, a good worker. It's just, you gotta live together, you know? I don't know, but. We, we, that's the thing about humans, man. We draw inspiration from each other. Like you yeah. can, um, I know people like, I, I like being alone. If I made you the only person in the world, you're probably not going to escape the decade without taking your own life, man. You, nobody, yeah. that's absolute nightmare. If I just dropped you on the planet and you're the only person alive, like yeah. we need each other. It doesn't matter. And everyone draws inspiration from somebody. And um, it, when somebody, like when someone is as big and strong as you, literally physically as strong, but then you can openly talk about things it makes other people far more comfortable to do so as well. Because then anything mental health wise, for instance, wouldn't be perceived as a weakness. You know, so when Tyson Fury, I share this on my personal account, when Tyson Fury, who got off the canvas twice, and he's gone off the canvas four times against the same guy, they fought three times, Deontay Wilder, and literally in the ring refuses to quit. Heart of a lion, it's, it's impossible. You can, like you said, drop him on a knee, drop him on both knees, drop him flat on his back. He's going to get up. He's going to keep fighting. In, impossible to make him wilt. But outside the ring deals with mental health issues on a constant basis. He's dealt with suicidal ideations. He's dealt with, um, you know, substance abuse, the whole nine. Depression. He's almost lost everything. He was like up to like 450 pounds and whatever. And um, so out of people who might think mental health makes you weak, mental health weaknesses, uh, like illnesses, and that makes you overall weak. And then literally it's like, well, then hop in the ring with Tyson Fury and try to make him hmm. wilt. You know, he will, it is impossible to convince him to stop. It is impossible to outwill him. You don't want it more than him. So it helps break that stigma. So if someone like you, like, like Tyson, Tyson Fury does it. it nobody says like it's mental illness is mental weakness. Be ease up when you, who you say that to someone like you who's big and strong as you says, ain't nothing weak about this, man. You know, this is, this is something everybody does. Um, it means something, man. It, it really does. Like, it, it, like, let, just, you know, whatever you do going forward, the title world champion will always be on your resume. So whether you do it now and get more or more and more public speaking is not easy, but more and more comfortable with it as time goes and you start speaking to people, um, this, what you did will never change. You, you're already a world champion and it's already yours. And you're also even just for like, um, you're the first Mexican-American world champion, at least in the classic, maybe the first Mexican-American world champion in a 120 pluses. Arian, I don't know if you can remember in the IPF history, period. I can't remember anyone off the top of my head, even in equipped off the top of my head. I know for classic for sure. You know, so just in terms of like talking to people and saying like people within, you know, certain communities that might like be looking for somebody to look up to, you know, and, and just because um, you were saying earlier, look at 40 years ago, my you know, my family came to America and just trying to start anew. And this is, it's big, man. It's just, uh, it might not seem big to you right now, or maybe it does, but um, sometimes when you're a kid, you're looking for something or reason to believe. And you're like, well, this guy fucking did it. You know, he went right to the top. He's the strongest in the world, man. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it's, it is inspirational, man. And that's what, you know, and at the very least, even if you're not doing anything right now on it, that title will, no one will ever undo what you did in Sweden. That can never be undone, brother. 
It doesn't matter now. It's done. You're a world I'll, champion until the day you die. Yeah, I'll speak a little bit of what you just said, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's that it's that point that nobody ever will be able to take away the fact that I won a world championship. That alone, that concept was enough for me to like leave home to move to a different city with a better training. That concept, man, that part of my dream, like I've, I don't know if the right word is sacrifice, but it's like I've given up so much to simply chase that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't think a lot of people can understand the value of just being a world champion, man. And I think for me, it's just like, no, I could die, man. I could, I could, I mean, God forbid, but I could have a horrible injury. I could never lift again. I could die tomorrow, but I would die a world champion. So <laughs> it's fucking nobody can say that dog. Yeah, so few man. people will ever be able to say that. Like Eddie Hall, man, he won, he won World Strongest Man, world strongest man one time forever. He walked away. He's, he's, he's a World Strongest Man. Like, yeah. it's like, you can't take that away from him. And it's like. That's it, man. It, it happened. Um, that's where some people were saying, you know, like when, when weighing possibilities, going to Worlds or going to a different competition, a money meet for like any money less than like 10K or whatever. It's like, you can't. You can't put a price tag on that, my brother. Like for the rest of your life, you will you can't give that up. And what it means to so many people who now see you in, in multiple communities that look to you as a source of strength now, just be like, say less. They don't got to be power. Powerlifting is a niche sport. You don't got to be a powerlifting fan to understand what the world world, what the title world champion means. And to be a world champion powerlifter. That's seven billion people walk in the world and you're number one at the, in the biggest weight class, you know? And the title never leaves. Like when I was doing the broadcast and I said, like, I walk around in that warm up room and it's humbling because you guys are massive men anyways. So it's a humbling experience walking around. You're literally walking amongst giants. And then on top of that, in that IPF warm up room, and I want to ask you about this. You had like guys like Andre Konovalov, who's like a four time world champion, world games champion, David Lupak, a world champion, Eric Willis, a world champion. And then you, who's about to become a world champion, you got like four world champions mobbing around back there. And it's like, yeah, you can't take anything what those gentlemen did. That's done. And it's like a humbling experience walking around back there. It's literally like walking through the IPF Hall of Fame, where it's like so many world champions in that flight. And um, now you're amongst them. You're a peer of theirs. You know, like you, you're a world champion yourself. Walking into the world championships, seeing the lineup, knowing, you know, A, everyone talks about, oh my God, that's standard, that, you know, it's so difficult. And then looking at the lineup, seeing all these world champions and whatnot, and it's almost, how were you looking at it? Were you looking at it like, good, I'm glad there's so many world champions turning out because now, again, the standard tie, the competition side, nobody can say nothing, good. Or was it, um, you know, what was your impression of it, knowing what you were walking into? Um, my impression going in there, man, was my the thoughts that were running through my head were like, Man, every single one of these dudes, they're counting on me messing up. 
that was that was my mindset. I literally felt like the like I had all the pressure, and like honestly, man, I couldn't like going into it. I was the nerves hit the hardest uh, two days out. I was obviously the, the change in schedule. I was sleeping very poorly, man. I think I slept maybe like four hours a night the whole week I was there. Like it was just my sleep was so bad. Literally, man, the night before Worlds, I slept from 2.30 to 6.30, and that was it. That was, that's all I had going into the competition. Uh, but two days out, man, I was just doing work. I was just responding to some of my athletes back home, and I was just sitting there, and, like, I looked over to my girlfriend, and I was like, do I really deserve to be here? Do I really deserve to be the number one nomination? Do I really deserve, like, did I earn this? Um, and it's just these dumb questions, you know, but I was, I was doubting myself. I was thinking like, do I squat low enough? Like, are they gonna call me out? Like, are they gonna pick, like what, what's gonna happen? Like, there's just so much uncertainty. And like, I called my brother and my brother kind of woke me, he kind of like called over the, over the phone. And mm. he was like, are you, are you freaking kidding me right now, dude? And I was like, what? And he was like, why are you asking all these stupid ass questions? And I'm just like, <laughs> that's a brother thing to say, huh? Yeah. You know, sometimes he's, that's the right person to call. Your brother will be yeah. like, come on, man. And that, that's the thing, man. Uh, my brother, um, I don't know if you've seen him, but like when I first started, he would go with me almost every session, but he wasn't into powerlifting yet. He was more just like being a gym bro, essentially. Um, but he's the one who's been with me from the beginning. He's the one who saw me like take time away, like during the holidays, during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, go spend two, three hours at the gym. Um, and he's the one that I talk to the most. Um, his name's Pablo. And it's like, he's, he, he's like, he was like, why are you asking these stupid ass questions? Like, dude, you've worked so hard from this this has literally been the only thing you have chased after for the last three years with no doubt in your mind that you were going to be here he was like why the hell are you doubting yourself two days out he's like i've never heard you doubt yourself ever over the last two to three years why now and i just sat back and i was like yeah, man, you're right, man. I'm just, I'm just cheating. My, I'm just messing with myself. And like after that, man, I was like, you know what? Like I don't have anything to worry about. Like I squat to death. I pause my bench, and I've been working on my deadlift nonstop since national. So it's like, just to have that confidence of the standard I hold myself to. Like that's, like you know, oh, I forgot what I said, but you know, you're only as good as the preparation you've put in. Yeah. And the preparation that I've put in to Worlds, like, there was no doubt for me. So that's kind of like what helped me absolve all of that. And then, like, I was ready to go. But as far as, like, once we got there, man, like, I just felt so comfortable. Like, it was like, this is where I belong. Like, I belong in this setting, in this environment. Um, like there, like once we start going, man, like people started yelling, whatever. Like I just, I was like, I'm gonna do my thing because this is my show. 
You know, I remember like seeing Andre go on his second attempt, and I was just like, "Don't miss, bro." I mean, I didn't like <laughs> tell him directly, but I will just take it to myself, like, Come "Yeah, on, like let's go, guys. We're here to compete." Like everyone's been saying everything. Like let's just let's see who's who's here to win, who's here to compete. Like that was just my mindset. Like I'm, I like to pride myself on being a gamer, man. And being a junior to me is pretty obsolete because when I was a freshman in high school, man, like I was. Like, my, the coaches, they literally put me in a group with nothing but seniors and juniors. So I was exposed to competing and lifting and the expectation of being able to compete against older gentlemen. Like, that's nothing new to me, man. And then when I was in college, like, I was a freshman. I had, You have to go compete against uh, fifth-year seniors. You know, you're – I just – I was just – I was, like, 18 years and a couple of months, and I'm over here – fight not fighting but i'm over here like playing uh practicing against some 22 22 23 year olds you know and it's like so that age gap that difference like it, it really wasn't a factor and it's just it just goes back to the fact like strength man it's like sometimes the best isn't always the strongest but when the strongest is the best you know that's when you see the fruit of the standard and it just goes back to staying true to yourself you know staying true to man, i felt like a broken record man but it's like well hey is, yeah if this is what gets you through like i understand the mentality of uh you know because i wanted to ask i'm glad you brought up how two days before you called your brother it, it's called it's it's common to everybody who gets to the top um like three years is a long time but relatively quickly in terms of like um, you know, when you look at like a, a Konovalov who's been doing it since like 2002 or whatever, or like some of these guys, and you have what's called imposter syndrome where you're like, holy fuck, am I supposed to, you know, like Mike Tyson, uh, like I've read books on him. He was a heavyweight world champion in like three years. And he was, I think he was like, he turned pro at 18, was world champion by 20. So he's world champion within two years. Rich, famous the whole night real quick. And he said, you have crazy imposter syndrome, but at the same time, you know, but at the same time, for some reason, you're like, this is too fast. Like, how is this possible, though? But how am I here? How am I about to, how is this about to happen now? And you, two days before, almost the same type of situation you said, he would call home and they'd be like, he's like, I'm about to fight for the world title. And just like you, there was, there was you're, it's the world title. Heavyweight, there's no one higher, no one bigger. It's the biggest of the big, right? Mm -hmm. And just like you, he said, he called home and he's like, how the fuck? How is this about to happen right now? Everything I've worked for is about to happen. You can't help but feel in the moment like, holy shit. Like, like, is, am I ready? Am I supposed to be here? And then you think about the, the lineup. And it's, uh, it is like IPF Hall of Famers. Like all these guys are world titles, world. Some of these guys were winning world titles before you started powerlifting. You know, like, like, like that. And you're like, I, I'm like, you can't, it's normal. You, you said, I honestly wouldn't be humble if you didn't. You know, you said Andre started powerlifting in 2002, right? Yeah, something like that. I yeah, was like four 20. years old. Yeah, <laughs> man, see what I'm saying? We're yeah. like, these are living legends. You know, um, like Eric Willis was a world champion in 2018. And like, you think like, where was I in 2018? Like, it's yeah. totally normal. It's, it's actually like, a, it's actually refreshing for you to be like, like, this is the thing though. When you're you, 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 you know everyone, like you, you can be honest. Because what can they say about you now? So you could be like, yeah, man, I'm a regular dude. I actually had a, sometimes at moments be like, holy fuck, I'm not sleeping well. I'm out of my element. P 
people are talking different languages all over around me. You know, it's, it's uh, like, there's something I want to ask you is like, how different is it to experience as like a young man? I don't even know how old I was when I was like on my own at the other side of the world, but you were a young man at the other side of the world in a massive international competition with you're on the Olympic channel and people are watching that aren't even necessarily just powerlifting fans because it's the Olympic channel and all this pressure and all this hype around you and all these vets around you and like, and you're, you're at the world and your coach isn't there either. How weird and stressful was it when you show up in this different country, show up in the hotel and like, it's everyone speaking different languages. You see people from all over the world there. We're talking about Konovalov. This is a Russian man in his thirties who was powerlifting when you were a child. Like, it's weird to think like, this is a movie, man. And you're like, and you were living it. And you're like, you know, were you ever, this is surreal at times. No, nah, man, it's, it, it does have this sense of surrealness. But I mean, at the same time, like if you get caught smelling the flowers for too long, you know, that's when you miss opportunities. That's true too. And I think, you know, you have to be able to enjoy those moments. You have to be able to take a like seat and just look at your hard work and appreciate it. Because I think that's a mistake some people make is that they don't take the time to appreciate themselves. They don't appreciate the fact that they've gone so long without missing a beat that they just lose sense of the moment. And for me, man, it's like, I think I have a pretty good understanding of when to like take a seat, like just kind of relax, let things slow down. But at the same time, man, like in this, this sport, like um, just trying to build a legacy, it's like, I don't have, you don't, you don't have the leisure of just taking a complete stop. Like you slow down to a walk you look around, you like enjoy it, take a catch your breath, and then boom, man, you got to start picking up pace again. Mm. And that's just the nature of how sports is, man. That's that's what's so great about sports. It's like one person can be the favorite coming in one year, and then let's say he takes a two three month hiatus, man. Like somebody else comes up, and it's like, oh wow. And then the the conversation begins. Well, maybe if he didn't took two to three months off, maybe he wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, mm. for me, I smell the roses. I appreciate the work that I've put in, but it's like, now it's like, okay, I want to do better. I know I can do better. Um, I have this expectation, this image in my head of just how good I can be. And like that, that's, that's what I'm chasing, man. I'm chasing like this imaginary version of myself um, and it's like, there's this, this thing, I, I say this to myself, it's like perfection is unattainable, but in the pursuit of something unattainable, you can achieve mastery. And that, that's really what life is about. You know, you can, we can relate this to lifting. It's, you'll never be perfect, but you can achieve this level of mastery, you know, and that's mastery is the closest you can be to perfection. But I mean, like, it's in our nature to just never be perfect, but we can be masters. You know, like, you can be a martial artist, you can be a boxer, you know, you can be a chef. Like, 
people who are chasing perfection, they become masters in their own right because they just have this image in their head of continuous uh, progress, you know, just improving upon every building block. Um, and like, I have this, this quote on my arm. I got, it's one of my, my, one of my favorite animes is called Demon Slayer. And this, like this like swordsman is talking to this, this guy, right? And he literally tells him, it's like masters of their craft will always find their way to the same place. And hmm. what that says to me, it's like, through this pursuit of mastery, man, like you're going to find your way. You're going to like, it's, I believe that to every single person, there is something that speaks to them that they can't see. And you just have to listen to it. It's like the wind is guiding you, man. Like for the, for ever since I graduated high school, I, I just felt like I was wandering in the wind. I felt like I was this leaf being pulled left, right, downward, upward. There was no sense of direction. But all that led me to here. And it's like now that I'm in my niche, you know, I feel like I was born to do this. I, I feel like I was born to push these limits of what people think is possible. Like, I, I feel like this is what I was born to do. But for a large part of my life, like, there was no direction. But because I had this wind pull me around, I was chasing something. I was following my instincts. I was following my dreams, my heart. It led me to this. Um, and I mean, I think that just speaks for itself, man. Yeah, in terms of uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you you found it, man. Because it's uh, <laughs> we know how this we know the story. It's it's we know how the story is starting to begin. Because three yeah. years deep, man, you're still a junior. You have so much more to go which is kind of exciting to see where you might end up. Um, and you're right. In terms of powerlifting, when you stop to smell the roses, somebody else pops up. Like, we seeing you coming would have been extremely difficult because you came within three years, you're the world champion as a junior. We hadn't seen that before. You know, that hasn't happened in the 120 plus. So, and we've seen that another, like like Amanda Lawrence comes out of nowhere. And uh, previously it was the Daniela Mello era. And, you know, it's just... We, you, you talk to people where like it's people jump up, especially in powerlifting out of nowhere. You can't rest on your laurels because somebody's going to come and it's going to be turned into from, uh, you know, winning by a huge spread to winning on your last deadlift. And you're, you know, so you got to be ready. Um, Arian, if you got questions, man, feel free to jump in too. I got a couple I'm going to ask though. Yeah, I was going to kind of go back to uh, before worlds, like going from nationals to worlds. Uh, something that Russ discussed and something that uh, people asked us to, to ask you guys is just, and going over maybe the mental aspect too, is how did it feel and how was like the back and forth of like, you didn't know if we're going to get the invite, then we got to go ahead to send out the invites. And then, you know, then where you got pulled basically on the invites, then like, you didn't know if USVI was an option. You may have heard through other people, through a coach or lifter, Hey, there's an option. Even then when you all switched over to USVI, there was still always a threat of like COVID, like, you know, is the EU going to have more restrictions? So if you just want to go a little bit into that whole process of back and forth and how you dealt with it mentally. I will say, man, that that was so mentally harsh. <laughs> like it affected my, like, man, it was so hard just trying to find the commitment to go into training with just this big question mark of, are we going to get to go? Are we going to have the opportunity to just compete? 
like that was so I don't know man like, it's just like I, I'll say I have a couple things to say about that I'll say this the night that Kimberly Walford called me I was literally having a conversation with my girlfriend about going back to Daytona to qualify for the official strongman games. Oh shit. Yeah. We almost like lost you. That's <laughs> where I was, man. Because I was like, man, if the USA pill pulls out and I never get the opportunity to compete for my world titles, like what, what left do I have in here? Like I want to compete. I, I want to stack as many chips as I can like that. I want to, I'm want to build a legacy. And it was just got to the point where I was like, man, like, like what's, what's, it's like powerlifting even an option anymore. Um, and like, obviously I think at the time um, there was, I mean, there was other options, obviously. Like there was, I, I considered the showdown and I also considered doing the pro meet for a small time. Um, but I never received an invitation for the showdown. Um, I feel like if I had received one, maybe if I would have just kind of like committed to that, maybe I wouldn't have done Worlds. Or if I would have committed to the December meet, I would have done that one. But I never received – well, I did later on because there was like this big uproar um, with Sabre. Like all the, he posted the roster and they had Ray's name on there. And at the time, I'm like, what? Like how did Ray get in? But I didn't, and I was like, man, like all I want is this mat. Like I just want to go head to head. Like so, I just commented, man. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't even mad or nothing. I was just like, man, this is baloney. So I, I, I just commented. I was like, this sucks. And then I think my comment got like 200 plus likes. Oh no, that has people to be addressed. People were like, yeah, people were like putting it on their stories. People were like, man, like why is Ray on not on there, but not Jesus? And then. <laughs> Like, I guess people were just harassing Mr. Sabre, you know, but it was like, I, this was like not even my intention. You know, I, I was just, I'm going to speak my mind. Like it, it sucks because I didn't receive an invite because I was under the impression that he was only taking the top 25 based on good lift points and good lift points are very, very bad for supers, uh, 120s. And like, I think the really small guys, like it, it's just, um, but I mean, it's, it's whatever, whatever point system they want to use, you know, like I don't have any debate or argument. Um, obviously people are still pursuing a more level playing field as far as like point systems, how do you judge best lifter? Um, but I really wasn't interested on it in it because first of all, if I went, I would only be going to compete against Ray because there would be no way in hell that either me or him has a chance of placing top five, mm. top 10, you know, I would literally have, I would need an all-time world performance to crack the top 10. I think I did the math. I did the math at a like at my body weight. I would have needed a total like 2,525 pounds. No, actually, no. If I, if I could have hit like 2550, I think that might've been like 120 good lift points. But that's like, maybe I'll hit that one day, man. Maybe the next three, four years, five years, whatever. Like, just like this, this magic number that I'm. But it's like right now, it's like, so it just was. It just really wasn't appealing. And then, 
um, just the way that Mr. Saber handled my, he was like, he, he, I think he made a public post. He didn't message me privately. He made a public post saying, for anyone who's curious, I had messed uh, something about inviting me. And he was like, it's up to Jesus to email me. And so I emailed him and I was like, hey, Mr. Saber, like, you know, sorry about the whole upward thing, but <laughs> I'm just kind of in this position where I don't know if I can commit to your meet or not. Um, if there's a deadline, let me know, you know, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just like, you know, I was really unsure about it. And then he never emailed me back. So I was like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He never emailed me back. Um, so I, mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't really care. I mean, that if he. The, you know, but he asked I, you to email him, though, publicly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just to appease the crowd, is oh. my opinion. Well, apparently, if he didn't email you back, but that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. <laughs> We can debate and we can speculate, but at the end of the day, you know, like as a grown man, like he's entitled to have his own beliefs and handle things that he wants to do. Um, so I'm not really too bothered by it. I mean, he's he's also a busy person, so maybe it just slipped his mind. Fair, whatever, yeah, you know right? what? Fair enough. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Who knows what he's dealing with? Yeah, you know, maybe just something going on and he just forgot or whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not really bothered. Um. But yeah, man, it, it was it was tough, man. I really didn't know what I was gonna do, where I was gonna go, what was in store for me next, because I was literally like in route to literally descend. Because um, the way to qualify for the the competition is you have to send um, the board of official strongman games, like your three rep max log, uh, like three rep max actual deadlift and something else, and then they if you're if you pass or whatever, then you get invite. Like, you don't have to do, like, a preliminary competition. And I was like, okay, man, I can hit these numbers to get in. And it's like, it'd be no problem. Um, but then literally Kim was calling me. And at first, I was like, I think she's butt dialing me. And I was looking at my phone. My girlfriend was like, she was, she was scorning me because I was being rash. She was like, you need to wait. You like you can't be shipping uh, jumping ships just because uh, things are looking rough, and I'll look and then like mid conversation she was like, "Who the hell is calling you?" Because it's, it's, Dude, it's are you like, serious? This is a movie right now. Yeah, and then I'm like, "Hold up, it's Kimberly Walford," like, and I'm like, "I think she bud dialed me," and she was like, "Go ahead and answer." So I was like, <laughs> I answered, and I was like, "Hello." Wait, and so they, does she have your phone number or is this like through the messenger? Instagram. It was through Instagram. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it makes sense. Yeah, it was through IG. So it said track FU. And I was has like, she ever messaged oh. you before? Yes. Uh, she messaged me after I won national. She congratulated okay. me. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, she, was, she was one of the first people to reach out to congratulate me. Yeah, but it's still unusual for her to call you. You would still <laughs> yeah. be like, okay. Like, <laughs> like, we weren't like, yeah, it was just. It was just a bizarre <laughs> moment where we dropped everything we were doing. Yeah. And I was like, hello? And then she was like, Jesus, are you interested in competing at the IPF World Championships? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then I was like, but hold on. Let me call Joey. Let me see what's up. So she was like, okay. Uh, but she was like, but mind you, we have hours to get this done. Like, she was like, I need to know in the next two hours. No, I think she gave me an hour, not even two, just one hour. So I was like, all right, I'll call you back in five minutes. So then I called Joey and I'm like, dude, 
guess what? And I think he, it was on a Sunday afternoon. So I think he was just chilling. You know, he was done working, just hanging out with Tina. And he was like, what's good, man? I'm like, Kim just called. And there's a way for us to get to Worlds. And, like, I can just hear where he, like, sits up. And he was like, oh, my God. And he, the first thing he asked me, he's like, well, what about John, Amanda, and Russell, right? So I was like, well, Kim just came across, like, very, like, private and personal. So let me ask her if it's okay if I tell everybody else. So I called Kim, and I was like, hey, Joey asked about uh, these people. Like, what do you think? And she, the, she said... We have limited spots. It's because Kim is very savvy with the way she speaks. Like she's very like, like direct but indirect. It's so weird. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to like a Jedi master. <laughs> Which I think Kimberly qualifies for that. Like she's definitely a Jedi master. Um, so then she was like, "Have these individuals reach me directly and privately, and if we can get them in, we'll get them in." And like, that was it. You know, at that point I started working on my end to make sure that um, I had my, like my criteria checked out to just qualify. Um, and I mean, that, that was it, man. And then COVID, COVID, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily like anti-vax man, but I was really reluctant just cause I'm, I can be very skeptical when it comes to putting stuff in my body, especially like as a drug-free athlete, you know, it's just, Mm, so, but I did have to kind of, it, it was something me and my girlfriend decided was best just because it would be so much easier to fly overseas and stuff. Um, and I mean, and it actually helped out a lot, like boarding from uh, Atlanta to go to Amsterdam, like they were like vaccinated. Yes. All right. Through. No. Okay. Where's your test? So mm. it did make getting through a lot easier, which was super crucial because in some of our uh, layovers, they were like super short, man. Whenever we landed in Amsterdam to get to Gothenburg, we had like 30 minutes. So we had to literally jog the whole way. And it was just, it was just super crucial. Um, but I mean, once we got to Sweden, man, not a soul wearing a mask, not a soul. And like over here in the States, people are like, um, I mean, I guess I understand because I, I do believe that the States is leading like obesity. We have like super high smoking rates, super high drinking rates. And we're just the majority is just, you know, not as healthy as like everybody else. So I can see where a virus that attacks like your lungs and stuff. And unfortunately for us, we have a lot of people who kind of don't seem to care too much about their lungs or whatever. Um, so I can see why here it's still kind of bad. Um, but I mean, it, it was just so stressful, man. It's just not knowing the uncertainty. It was, it was definitely something I remember. And I think if I'm ever in a similar situation, I'll be a little bit more comfortable just because I've experienced something like that. And if I can have an idea or an image of what can happen or won't happen, um, it'll definitely be easier to make decisions on the go like that so but i mean it was just it was horrible it was horrible bad for my health man dude you you went through international travel as a junior during covid times it'll always it'll be all downhill from here and way easier <laughs> you know what i mean it's only can get easier 
because that was definitely the, the toughest. You you when you had to make the decision, we asked wrestlers too. Um, you had to like straight up resign from the USAPL yep. and send in that letter. And it's almost an act of faith where you're like, I, you know, we asked Russ, I was like, you know, you're, you're leaving that you're closing that door and you didn't know at the time what was going to happen. Um, you know, you, what were your thoughts? Cause obviously you had kind of stressed earlier about how you felt about becoming a world champion and what that means to yourself, what that means to so many people around you. And, um, and now that you become world champion, you got a taste for what it's like, you know, people refer to you and the pride they take, but you know, before all that, you know, were those, were there, were you a little hesitant? Were you like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm resigning. I'm closing that door. You know, what were your thoughts about that? It was a little scary, man, at first, just cause I didn't know if we would have been like banned permanently from the USAPO. Cause I know that Kimberly has like this ban um, cause she's with the USVI or the IPF. I'm not too sure on the specifics, but you know, like you, like Kim can't compete at a nationals. Um, so in the moment we didn't know what, like, it's like, man, like the USAPL has been like, I, for me personally, I can't speak for everybody else, but you know, like I never thought, I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to speak on this, but in the short time that I've been with the USAPL and the IPF, like, it's like, you never, I, I feel like. I wasn't expecting it. I guess I just haven't been in the game long enough to have like a better idea of what like goes on in the back, on the back end of things. But it was just so unexpected um, because first and foremost, you know, like I am Mexican American, but going in, it's like who do, who the heck doesn't want to represent the United States of America at the world level? You know, that that's my thing. It's like I wanted to wear USA on my chest. Um which hopefully, you know, something comes up and we can, that'll be an opportunity in the future. But whenever I clicked sound on that resignation later, I was like, before I clicked it, there was like this, like, I was thinking, I'm like, man, like, do I really want to resign? Do I really, it almost felt like I was ostracizing myself. It's like, you're removing yourself from this organization that, your friends are a part of like i'm in this group chat with a bunch of other lifters and friends of mine and like while everybody else like they're planning on all hanging out together in las vegas i me, my brother you know like even my brother i had to convince my brother my brother wanted to go to uh, he wanted to do u.s nationals but then i was like dude you have a chance of being you can win juniors you know obviously like i'm up age out next year I'll be in the, I'll be competing on the open. Like you still, you're, cause he's a year and a half younger than me. I'm like, dude, you could be a world champ too. And he, he just crossed his arms and he was like, all right, man, I'm in. <laughs> so then I got my brother um, with me to see whatever lies on that side of the door. But I mean, it was a little, it was a little scary just because man, like the thought of, not being able to go and compete and hang out with a lot of my friends. Um, like I, from my background, man, like this is very new to me. Like I never thought in my life that I would be flying across the country, across the world and hanging out with friends, man. Like I'm a very reserved individual, unless you know me and I'm comfortable with you, but I don't, 
like I, these are these are new experiences for me. Like this is like going over to Sweden and like seeing Gavin, hanging out with Isaac, you know, like the conversations me and you have, like that was a new thing for me. It was so wild, like, wasn't it? Yeah, man, it was, <laughs> it was it was something that I'll probably remember the rest of my life. You know, so th- there was like a little bit of that doubt and some of that reclusiveness, but I was like, you know what? That sucks. But on the other side, it's what we talked about, man. It's that title. Um, and it just kind of came down to what was more important. And for me, man, it, it just came down to I've been working for this. I'll be damned if it gets taken away, given back. Like, I'm not going to let this slide. And, you know, I, we just jump ship, which was kind of unfortunate because I know that I'm not, I can't like really coach at meets anymore. Um, there's like a bunch of other rules and stuff that kind of put my hands behind my back. And I have to like find ways to kind of be there for my athletes without really like kind of being there with them. So like that's something I have to figure out now on my end is a byproduct of the situation between the federations. Um, but I mean, now, man, it's like, just, I don't know, man. It's just, we'll see. It's just so much mystery. Like, I can't, I, I'm so yeah. eager to see what happens in 2022 because, like, there's something it, needs to be, there, there needs to be, like, a, a melding point, you know? Like, we got to figure out something. No, it's not going to be like this, obviously, forever. Like, this limbo yeah. situation. It's not going to be like this forever. This is a unique transition phases are always awkward in life, period. You're a young guy, but you're going to notice like no matter what it is in life, the transition phases are the worst part, but then things settle and they go back to it is what it is. Right. So, um, yeah, um, I, we'll see what the future brings. It'll all get sorted. I'm sure. But, um, it was a hell of a story for your first world championships, man. But once you got to Sweden, and everything started rolling like it was, you know, it was meant to be, my man. That was an amazing performance. I remember on the commentary, like saying how big this was for a junior to have arrived like this. We'd, we'd never seen, you know, we'd never seen a junior hit the 120 plus like this and, and smashing world records, winning the open like that um, against a level of competition you had to face. And then, yeah, man, hanging out with everybody at the world championships, hanging out with like team France, team Britain, you know, bumping into like team Japan and team, like all of them, man, people from all over the world getting to hang out for a little bit. Like it was a crazy wild experience. That world was like nothing I had experienced. And I just like you, man, I couldn't sleep three to four hours was good. Four hours is amazing. Just could not sleep, man. Like people like just go to sleep. Yeah. Like I, but I can't though. You know what I mean? Like it is a hard thing to explain, but you go to your hotel room and like, damn, man, I can't freaking pass up. Um, but, uh, so now that you have experienced it, what do you think is, is on the docket for your future? Or are you kind of like, do you plan on trying to build that legacy and create a dynasty like uh, back-to-back like Russ or like try to even kick it even further and try to win as many world titles as possible, see who pops up um, or, or what is, what is your next goals? Um, I'm trying to build my legacy, man. So immediately after my mind was already like, I'm right as we're speaking out in my mind, I'm working towards uh, my second world championship. Like it would take a lot for me to forego that, like swallow a 12-month suspension 
to go back. Um, I think the only way I go back would be if Ray has a dominant performance at the December Open. Like he would need to have something that would just leave this like question mark in my head that I need to solve. Um, I think that would be the only reason that I would probably go back to the USAPL effective January 1st. But I mean, besides that, like I'm, you know, I'm, my eyes are on number two right now. And And I'm pretty sure after number two, I'm going to be looking for number three. And I'm just going to try to do this as long as I can. Um, Just stack the chips, man. Um, By hopefully, you know, maybe uh, I'm not going to put a number on how many, just because it is a different animal going to worlds, going overseas. Um, Like nothing is ever written in stone. Like I know I hit 23, 26, uh, last December, but that was in my own backyard. I was like, you know, like like that was comfortable. That was my own pace. That was back, like, and it's like to go and hit 2300 at Worlds, it's entirely different. Like, World, like, World, the World Championships is on a completely different level. Like, the conditioning, the mental fortitude, like, it's just, it takes so much more, so much more. Um, so like, I mean, right now, man, that's really where I'm at, man. So, I mean, and and do you think quick question, follow up on that? Um, because you're the world champion now and you've posted up the biggest total we've seen in 2021 and correct me if I'm wrong. I think you posted up the biggest total we'd seen in 2020 as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So at what point is it no longer that you're going back for Ray, but Ray's going to have to maybe come for you? Like, is there going to be a point where, like, you know what? I think I'm at where I'm at. And maybe I, it, it, it's the rules of reverse right now where you're the, world, you're the current world champion and you're the current world number one for the total. You know, does that at all start impacting decisions or are you still as you're like, ah, but that, that Ray Williams question, like at certain point, I guess like in your mind's eye, cause he was the man for so long and I understand it. Look, I love Ray, you know, and he's, he's a, uh, he's the goat 120 plus for right now. Right. Um, but is there going to be a point where you're like, you know, the Ray Williams thing is, is put the bed on my end unless he comes across or he does something and comes meet me, but I've moved past it. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. Like it's not, it's not an easy decision. Um, because obviously I think you guys have talked about it on a couple of podcasts, uh, prior, but I mean, like, it's about legacy, man. It's like, mm-hmm. if Ray can still manage to come back in anything close to his prime, like it needs to happen. Like it, it, there is no way around it, man. It's like, and, um, like I'm a big, I'm a big nerd, man. Like I love my Godzilla movies. I love my transformers i love my comic books it's just you can't have two entities at this level not cross paths like you there's no way around it it's like king Ghidorah and godzilla it's like megatron optimus prime it's like uh superman lex luther like there's no way no how that two gentlemen 
on this path don't collide courses. So I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just not giving myself enough credit. Maybe in my head, I still need to do more before I feel comfortable enough to say Ray needs to catch me because in my mind, he still has a drug trusted uh, all time world record. So in that sense, I'm still chasing, I guess you could say more his shadow than himself. Um, but I don't, I don't know where Ray's at right now in his career, where his mindset's at. I know he's, um, he's, I think he's working towards a doctorate. Um, he's still recovering from COVID. He's obviously in meat prep for the December, for the Virginia Pro. Um, you know, he's got a lot of things going for him. So it's just, I, we're just going to have to wait and see what he puts out. You know, I know a lot of people have written him out, but I'm just one of those people who I hate to leave loose ends. I hate it. Like, I don't, I don't leave loose ends. Like, I literally check my pockets 20 times before I walk out the door to make sure I got my phone. <laughs> <out of hands. laughs> like, I don't like, Fair I enough. Don't leave, yeah, I don't leave stones unturned, man. It doesn't leave so, his wallet in Denmark. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Russ yeah. was, that's a throwback to our last, last podcast. Russ thought he forgot his wallet. But, uh, no, I, I, no, I respect that, man. Like, it's, um, it is an interesting situation, right? Like, Ray is, the GOAT 120 plus, and, he, and he's, he for a long time carried the sport on his back, but it has been, it's been a minute. We haven't seen Ray of, of Ray of previous um, since 2019 world. So it is interesting. Like, can he bring it back? Is he, you know, where is he at? And then, you know, obviously you've emerged, you've become the number one heavyweight, not just winning the world title, but the number one, you know, total two years in a row. So you've really established yourself. And then, um, so then it is like, do, do we, do we quote unquote tie those loose ends and have this clash or, um, at a certain point, you know, is it, is it like, look, the time has passed and, uh, it's an interesting question. I, 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 you know, it, it will, I guess we will have to wait and see how it all unfolds, but you're right. The December meet is going to be interesting. Let's take a look at that. We'll see what Ray puts forward and then, um, we'll see what 2022 brings, uh, cause mm -hmm. Uh, you, we can't call it. If anything, this year has taught us you can't call it. You know, it's it's a hard one. Um, Aaron, you got any follow up questions, my man? Because I know we only got like you know seven minutes left. Well, well I was kind of going to build off of that as well. Is like you know going to nationals, we had this build up, this hype of like Jesus versus Ray, and then it doesn't happen. And then we had this hype going into worlds with all these world champions, and it's going to be all this close battle. And you know, Konovalov and Lupak like you know disappoint, and it's a pretty easy win for you so do you feel like you didn't get necessarily challenged and you're hoping like you know ray comes back and gives you a challenge or maybe a new lifter comes and gives you a challenge where like every attempt counts and it comes down to the final deadlift or are you just doing your own thing like you're gonna go after the world titles you're gonna go after that all-time world record if other lifters aren't performing that's not on you um that's a good question i mean i guess in the back of my head i'm hoping that Ray comes out and he does have a very, very Ray-esque performance. Um, there's a reason, like, and even we'll, we'll throw it back to, I, I, I haven't really been listening to too many podcasts, but um, I think when Angelo and Steve were talking about my performance, they called it a Ray-esque performance. And it just ties back to, you know, the fact that he is the undisputed super heavyweight Goat, you know, he is 
he's has I think like what five world champions, right? Yeah. And that that's in itself is just it's it's so hard to achieve, right? There's a reason not so not a lot of lifters have that many championships. Um so this is this is kind of how I look at the scene. I think I'm expecting Ray to have a pretty solid performance. But honestly, the lifter that I'm kind of like wary of would have to be my own brother. And I'm coaching him. I'm like grooming him. Um, and it's like, for me, it's just a matter of time before he starts matching me blow for blow. Because obviously um, he's a little bit younger. He's still growing into his own. Um, but I tell people, man, like I, I, I'm, I'm coaching him to beat me. Like I'm not pulling, I'm not, I don't like the, the worst and last thing I could ever do is jeopardize. Like I, I will never do that. I am literally coaching him to beat me one day. And the day that happens, I'm just literally going to hand him the baton. I'm going to look at him. I'm going to slap him on the back and be like, all right, big dog shows yours. Um, um, I don't really know if anybody currently right now could just magically, you know, cross the gap of 50 kilograms. Um, and that that's not, that's just to say the least, man, because it's like, I'm still fixing my deadlift and it's like, I have, I'm still living, leaving so much on the, on the platform. Like my, the goal in my head is just to just keep pushing forward and forward and forward. Like I, I, I want to just push it as far as I can. Um, but I do know, and this has kind of really come to my attention, like literally the day after Worlds. And I don't know if you noticed it because a lot of these gentlemen were like uh, retagging your post and it's the Iranians. Um, a large group of them, and mainly by one of them, I don't know how to pronounce their names and I'm not going to try to butcher them because um, you know that can be taken disrespectfully but I tried to translate some of the things they were saying and they were claiming that I wasn't the best and that Iran has the best supers oh shit who is this I don't know his name I don't know his name but I could probably slide you his profile I mean they're strong Iran I will say I'm not going to say they have the best super but I will say that as a group they probably have the best group of supers um, that are like competitive with each other. Look at in 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 Olympic lifting, they're fucking phenomenal. Yep, they're 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 they have a, they are strength nation. Um, yeah. our, our boy Arian is is Iranian American. He's he's our inside. He's got the inside. <laughs> Scoop on for us. Uh, I, I do talk to some of them. And the interesting thing maybe for next year going forward is like, yeah. you know, this year they had that little invitational where they brought some lifters in from Ukraine oh, yeah. and from, yeah, from I, Russia, I, I believe. That. They were trying to get U.S. lifters there, but it was such a short notice and everything like that and travel issues. But um, Farshid, the guy who runs the organization, and he's an IPF EC member, wants to do this going forward. So it'll be interesting to see if that can be something set up in the, uh, for next year where lifters from Canada, U.S., and like that from North America can go and meet up with the Ukrainians, the Russians, and the Iranians and battle head-to-head in some kind of invitational. We also got Worlds, though, if they go to Worlds. like uh... that, that, that was a question but for me. It's like, man, like... How are these guys? How are these guys going to make such strong claims? But 
they want people to come over to uh, closer to them. It's like, why not meet in the middle? Like, it's like everybody has to meet at the same spot. And I think Americans and Canadians have probably have the harshest traveling conditions just because we have to fly across the ocean. And I think everybody else, their longest flight was like four hours. I think, I think traveling east is worse than west. Was that it, Arian? Well, well, some of the issues for a number of those countries, not that that means they're, they're, they're strong or whatever, is the visa issues. So the Iranian team was nominated. Ah. They couldn't get visa issues. Sri Lanka couldn't get visa issues. Uh, and visas, COVID, I think. COVID on certain – you're right. And it's COVID Al- times. So this was a little different. Yeah, like Algeria like, couldn't get it. Um, and in general, whenever we have like a world championships in the U.S., it's hard for the Iranians to come to the U.S. due to bans and stuff like that. So there could be some reasons like that where some of them don't come and perform uh, because they don't have an option also that's why new zealand couldn't come as covid and then they new zealand's got like you know um evie corrigan brett gibbs blah 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 tim Madagati. it is what it is but um yeah i mean we'll uh, we'll see what 2022 brings um man we got like we got one minute left area you got one last one you want to pop in there kite sir well, the, the question I had written down to ask is is because uh, Jesus said, you know, his family's from Mexico is, do you have any interest in, you know, we have North American championships has been held in Mexico City before or other times we host in the oh, US or Canada and, and lifters from Mexico come, would you ever be interested in doing some kind of competition where you get to compete against the Mexican lifters or maybe they come to Texas and do some kind of like US versus Mexico, like a little friendly event? That would be, that would be really cool. I think that would be like a cool little thing to participate and i would love to i know i have um sometimes when i go through my request i'll see that all a good amount not all not like too many i know that from what i've gathered powerlifting is like in its infancy stages in mexico like it's you got one or two people here um but mexicans are definitely a people who respect strength and i feel like it's just gonna catch fire pretty soon and i mean if i can go ahead and uh, talk to a couple of men like i'm bilingual nice uh, my spanish isn't like the best you know but it's pretty fluent and i can like you know if i if you catch me in the right moment like you won't even tell um <laughs> but uh i like that quote i'm gonna use that for a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I would love to man if something like that can be organized i think it would be cool to kind of have because I not I'll, I'll never call myself this but I know a lot of people consider me like an ambassador for Mexican strength and because we really don't have a lot of representation the few people that come to mind when I think of like USAPO IPF um it's like Andres Ramos um I know that a uh, big boy was really, he's really big in Cali and whenever he used to compete, um, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of people who have gotten these opportunities, but I know that there are a lot of uh, Mexican powerlifters, you know, and I think it'll only be a matter of time before we just kind of start to see a more divor- a diverse champion field, you know, Um so I mean, I, but to answer your question, Mr. Uh, Coach Ari, I would, I think, I think I would, you know, maybe not like go full me prep mode, but I mean, I think I could go in, just go like first or seconds, and you know, just to be with the people, to socialize, 
um, just to kind of go talk and be amongst them. I think that would be a pretty cool organization to the to participate in. Dude, if North Americans is ever in Mexico or some international meet in Mexico, they would fucking love, you know, you you showing up, you know, and and um, that would mean a lot to a lot of people, man. I'm sure. And terms like Mexico in its infancy for uh, you know burgeoning strength sports, that would be a nice push when the world champion shows up and talks to the people in, in his air. Like that's, you know, yeah. it, it mean a lot to a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, one last question before we let you go. This was sent in. It is, who is your favorite lifter and why is it Gavin Aiden from Anonymous? <laughs> from, from Anonymous. Um, so it is what it is. It's, uh, uh, he put me on the spot, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'll say this is just going to, but honestly, I feel like if I say this, this is just going to help Gavin even more. <laughs> I thought it was going to be an easy answer. You'd say your brother. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good out. There's a good out. <laughs> no, no, no. My, I would say my favorite lifter would have to be Jonathan Keiko. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. Well, John, he's the battler, isn't he? That John, man is battle tested, sir. I have so much law, love and admiration and respect for John. Like the things this man has got has gone through to achieve like his dreams it's like it's like a fairy tale man like i know he had uh some death in the family i know he's just had so much so much happen man so much he was like from last from 20 when was it that world 2020 you know from i think was worlds canceled was worlds canceled That's right. two years in a row yeah. Uh, no, just the one. Twenty twenty. Just one. Yeah. yeah twenty twenty. You know, from like having that taken away, and then from just nonstop, like, and I got, I got, I actually, I the people who I hung out with the most in Sweden was John and Nina, and just getting to know them a little bit more personal, um, getting to spend time with them, like it's just like, I have just so much love and admiration for John, like it's like, um, like man, like but. Just the things I learned from him, but just watching, you know, not even necessarily asking, but by just watching, it's like I could make, I could give you a long list. Um, but Gavin is also a really good friend of mine. Um, gosh, he, don't I, give it to him. Don't give it. Don't do it. He put, he put don't me do on it. The spot like that. Don't but I think. Don't I reward think this kind of behavior. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think Gavin is gonna just blow a lot of people's minds because he's the type of person who takes, um, I know he was really happy that he won juniors, but at the same time, he took it very personal that he, uh, he lost like 40 kilos from his best total. So I know he's the type of person who's going to obsess and just raise the bar even higher for himself. And so far he's, you know, he's made that jump. Every time he raises the bar, you know, nobody, not a soul expected him to rival Keiko at nationals. And it came down to the wire. Um, so I just think the potential that Gavin has, he's, I think he's also still a junior, but he's aging out. Um, like, it's like he can afford to trim some body fat and recomp. Like, it's just the things he can do. Like, he's just, he's a perfect 93. Like he's mm -hmm. like him and Keiko are like the same height. Um, 
and it's just like Keiko's not gonna like Keiko has no time to breathe. He has no time to just relax and chill because Gavin Adden is already on his tail, man. And that's just the type of lifter that this, this dude is. Like, like Gavin can shake your hand, hug you, respect the hell out of you for what you did to get here. But at the same time, if he's in position to take that away from you, he will not hesitate. Like that man is coming for heads next year. And I'm just I'm excited to see that matchup because I'm sure whatever uh ends up shaking out to requalify for a world thing. If, if that's what it comes to, like I know Gavin, he's he shares my um my sentiment for world championship titles. So I know he very, very badly wants an open world title. So it's just man, like I, I'm excited for the 93s next year. I'm and excited. I tell you what, and we can end on this, but um I tell you what. If he, if Gavin Eden and Keiko both make a world team, fucking add Gustav Hedlund to meet them on the platform. Because yeah. Gustav Hedlund, as we found out, is is a fucking battler himself yeah. and is a monster that cannot be overlooked. That the ninety threes at next worlds could be absolutely yeah, phenomenal battle. But um, listen, my man, thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated, champ. Very proud of your performance you gave. It was a hell of a performance. We went nuts on the broadcast. And um, I know the, the viewing was amazing numbers. Uh, the Olympic Channel was extremely pleased with the performance you put on as the feedback we got. That was a hell of a session. Um, so thank you for everything you do, my man. We will keep in touch. And uh, until next time, my friend. Yeah. All right. You guys have a good one. See you, See you. man.